Weekend Friends! I am your host, Scott David Trade, alongside me, Lieutenant Jason Hickey. Oh, I'm a lieutenant now. Eh. I'll take it. You're, you're going to get shot down by the end of the episodes. Don't worry about that. Ah, crap. All right. <laughs> How are you doing today? Not bad. Not bad. I, good. Um, I did some cleaning today. Did you? Yeah. Why? I was bored. Okay. That's fair. Partially that, and then part, partially also it's... I just got sick and tired of seeing some of the mess around. Ah. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. So what are we talking about today? Is it a great day? No. Yes, it is. It's a Star Trek day. Which means it's a great day! It means... <laughs> we're on the Cerritos. We are. Episodes seven or bleh, episodes 8 and 9 of Star Trek Lower Decks. 8 and 9? I thought it was 7 and 8. 7 and 8. No, it's 8 and 9. Because there's 10 episodes and next week's the finale, isn't it? Yeah, because next week's the finale because then on the 15th, Discovery starts. You're doubting me. I'm doubting myself. Oh, good gravy. Episodes 8 and 9. Yeah. I'm going to be cutting all that stuff out, though, so, just so you know. You're going to cut out the fourth time I was right on the show? <laughs> oh. It's going to be no record of it. <laughs> so, episode 8. So, episode 8 is probably my favorite episode of the season so far. I'm going with episode 9 being my favorite episode of the season. I really liked 9. 8, I think, edges it out just a tad. And honestly, it's something that both episodes had going for them is that I don't want to say they were light on story, but in a few of the previous episodes where they tried to have multiple things going on, Mm -hmm. it's a 25 minute show. Sure. And when you try and have two to three storylines going, all of them are going to get, you know, underserved. Yes. Yes. So this, this though was sort of a clip show though. Really? It really was. So episode eight really was a, cause you're going in. Yes, clip shows are normally thought of as, you know, back traces. I was, was going to say, know. when I think clip show, I think... Watching recaps of, of things that happened. Yeah, so, like the season two finale of TNG, which was terrible. Because no. clip shows are terrible, generally. Yes, but no. It's similar to how Community did their clip show. It's it's clips of things that never actually happened in the other episodes. It's just... Still clips. It's still clips. Okay. So it's clips of that incorporate a show. Yes. And so they have an overarching theme... Yes. Which is, they're on trial. It, no, we're going with the on trial right yes, now. Yes, okay? it is. Yes. Of course, because obviously they're on trial. Yes. <laughs> it really looks like they're <laughs> on trial. I'm sorry. So, yeah. So, then we have this little, and it was like little clips going through. And so, to me, it's a clip show. Okay. I can I can agree that using your definition of clip show, it's a clip show. But... That is the definition of clip show. I think that when you call something a clip show... They are using pre-filmed things, so they can literally just film new a few new shots, and then that is ninety percent of the episode is reused footage. That, that, that is a clip show. That is the narrowest definition of a clip show because you're narrowing it down. I'm giving you the full broad as- aspect of the clip show, and that's fine. I'm more going with what comes to mind when you say clip show. That's fine. You can think of it that way because clip shows are a horror. But it is a clip show. Because this one's not a horror. This episode (laughs) was great. Yes, we're going on for like two minutes, just the definition of clip show. Well, because you're wrong. Because I'm right. That's that's a false statement. (laughs) So, all right. The episode starts out with uh, our four leads, uh, Mariner, Boimler, Tendi, and Rutherford, in this kind of a little pen Mm-hmm. And you've got this guy saying that they are here to testify to events that they witnessed and they have to speak into the horn of whatever, whatever. And it instantly brings to mind the trial scene from the Klingon trial scene from uh, Undiscovered Country. Yeah, the one with Kirk and uh, Kirk and Bones. McCoy. 
Yes, which was also basically recreated in uh, an Enterprise episode with Captain Archer. Mm. So the first one to grab the horn is Mariner. Now, Mariner, and surprisingly, because the show has basically been the Mariner show. If anyone could be said to be the main character on the show, it is Beckett Mariner. Mm. So she grabs the horn, and she talks about how they were... The four of them were in a shuttle bay. They were working on a shuttle. And all of a sudden, there was a red alert that none of them knew about because Rutherford... Loved that part. <laughs> Rutherford just wants to tick around with things. Yeah. And so he's like, oh yeah, if there's a red alert, we're going to tick it with the sound and make it blast loud in here so we know right away. And so Marin is like, oh, there's a red alert. And Rutherford's like, no, there's not. So there was. <laughs> it come through the speakers and I, I amplified to go. Yeah. Well, he messed that up because... He did a reverse. Yeah. He muted it. <laughs> so they're, they're, they are on a red alert. And Mariner and Boimler have to get to the bridge because they're on bridge duty. Mm-hmm. So begs the question of why they were in Shuttle Bay if they were on bridge duty. Whatever. Boimler, of course, is freaking out because... I, I'm actually thinking that they were just supposed to get onto bridge duty at that time. That's possible. And it's not... And it's like they just changed their shift or whatever something is going to yeah, happen. Yeah. Now they're going to be late because if they were on bridge duty at that time, it doesn't mean that they actually have to be, you know, sitting at the chairs. They just, that's where they're supposed to be during the event of a red alert. That's possible. It's a good, good work around there. So they have to get there. They're going to be late. Boimler is freaking out because Boimler freaks out because he's a very nervous person. No, he's not. No, no. <laughs> he doesn't suffer from like 10 different anxiety disorders. No? All right. And, and boy, uh, Mariner tells him, you know, just, we're going to wing it. Just gently, you know, quietly walk on, sit down, and then just agree with the captain, whatever she says, and we'll be fine. So they, they quietly walk on, and the captain is arguing with this bug species because she thanked them and they're mad. You know, other cultures and whatnot. And she asks Boimler, what do you think we should do? It, Boimler has no idea. So, so he says, oh, I think we should do whatever you want to do. And she yells at him. And he so he throws out, we should do... This and this and this. And everybody, even Mariner, looks at him like, are you stupid? <laughs> he doesn't know all the protocols by heart. He really doesn't. Which you'd think he would. Mm. Well, and I don't even necessarily think it's protocols. I think that in, in a given situation, he doesn't know which action to take because he has no experience. He can read about people doing things, but he doesn't have any practical experience in anything. No. No, no, he does not. He doesn't have the advantage that Mariner had of growing up on a starship. His parents were probably farmers on some crappy little colony out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, his name is Bradward. Bradward. Yeah. It's unfortunate. It is. Might be the name of my next cat, though. Possibly. I'm sorry. Why? Because you're getting a cat. Cats are the best. I'm allergic to cats. I'm sorry to hear that. Anyway. <laughs> so, so then the captain says, All right, Mariner, I want you to send them a message. And so she fires right across their starboard bow. <laughs> I don't know if it was starboard or not. I'm just saying. Well, she's straight across starboard Whatever she does, bow. shoots a phaser, just misses them. And the captain's like, what the heck are you doing? It's like, we well, used to send him a message. That means a phaser. It's like, no, I wanted you to invite them over. <laughs> I wanted you to actually send them a message. <laughs> it, it was great. It subverted an expectation and I loved it. So... We cut back to the trial, and the guy's yelling at Mary. Are you trying to tell me that people on the bridge don't know what's going on on a Starfleet ship? Yes. Yeah. And that is effectively the end of Mariner in this episode. Which you're happy about. I don't know if I'm happy about it, but I'm really glad. Because, the, honestly, the, the two people who got to shine the most in this were... I thought it was Tendi was like the the brightest of this, of this episode. Tendi is the number one. Rutherford is easily the number two. Mm-hmm. And Boimler is easily... The number three, almost number two because of his speech at the end. Yeah. However, so 
next we find out, we, we go back in time, because Tendi is now testifying, and she tells them how she got a duty assignment, and she gets to clean the conference room, and she is excited because it's Tendi, and she's excited about everything. She loves to clean the conference room. And so, I, I just love the fact that it's like, alright, so Ransom comes in with three other dudes. Or is it two other dudes? Uh, two or three. It was two or three, whatever. But Ransom comes, Ransom comes in with like two, two or three other guys, and they're, they're saying, oh, we're waiting for the cleaner. And Ransom says, are you the cleaner? It's like, yeah, I'm the cleaner. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm clean. Now, some we, we, we skipped over that it has to be said because it's hilarious. Now, Tendi doesn't think she can actually tell them this. So she is actively beeping out names, and there are black bars across the eyes of the people other than Ransom, so that no one knows who they are in her recollection. And it is a theme throughout her entire thing, where everything is beeped, and it's hilarious. So they have to go, and, and they are... They're going on a stealth mission. They're going on a stealth mission to sneak on a Romulan warbird. Mm-hmm. But you, you, you kind of have to do Rutherford first. Yeah. Because his story was actually getting something. Right. So, all right, let's jump back in time again. Now, they've been giving star dates to these people. Tell, tell me what happened on Stardate X. And they did that to Mariner. And then when they did that to Rutherford, he's thinking, okay, I'm going to get the same star date. I can tell him exactly what happened. And they give him a different one. He says, um, are you sure you don't want a different date? Because his implant apparently gives him perfect memory. Mm-hmm. And they say, no, I want Stardate. Blah, 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 blah. He says, okay. And he has to go with Shax on a mission mm-hmm. to do something. Mm-hmm. And on, it was a Vulcan base or it was, was it a Vulcan space station? It was a Vulcan museum. I don't know if they right. specified whether it was a base or a space station. Yeah. But and So he needs to download a, what was it, a language that he had to do? He had he had to download something. I don't remember yeah, what it and was it, exactly. he, Basically, he had to upgrade his system to do it. And he says, well, I usually do that when I sleep, so I'll just do it tonight. They're like, no, you need to do it right now because we're leaving. And he says, okay. And he does it, and you see him black out, Mm -hmm. and then he opens his eyes, and he's in a completely different place. So as he's upgrading, he keeps blacking out and losing time when his implant takes over. And his implant is taking over and doing things with Shaxx and other people. And while they're going and doing things, he's waking up. He's like, what am I doing? (laughs) What's going on? Yeah, he's completely bewildered through this entire episode. And he wakes up, and they're on a ship, and they're flying to this location. And they have to not attract attention. And then something kicks in, and he blacks out again. And he attracts the attention. And he wakes up, and they're actively trying to steal something out of a Romulan museum. And yeah, then it he... was a Vulcan museum. Oh, yeah, a Vulcan museum, museum Romulan ship. And Shaxxas says, this, guy, this guard walks up to him and says, You've attracted my attention! And Shax says, do the fan dance! So Rutherford does the fan dance that Uhura did in Star Trek V. Thank God he had clothes on. But he couldn't do the dance because he doesn't know the dance. Exactly. And just just when things are about to go down and he doesn't know what to do, he blacks out again. And when he wakes up, they are on a TOS-era Romulan bird of prey. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what it is. is they stole the Romulan bird of prey you know, a TOS era version of it. Yeah. And that was Rutherford's story uh, to get that bird of prey. Then we get to Tendi. Now, Tendi's story is she's on that bird of prey. Yes. Going to another Romulan ship to then go in there and steal a package, a very large container that they're getting. And all she knows is that she's apparently the cleaner, but she doesn't know how to tell these guys that she has no idea what they're doing. 
And so, so they go in. They go in. And they go and get the, get the package. And she's waiting out, out outside. Uh, and then they come back out and they say, okay, cleaner, you have to go in and do what you're supposed to do. She's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> she says it in her head. She doesn't say it out loud. Right. And so then we see a bunch of varmlins start to come after her. So she busts out some Orion jujitsu and beats the crap out of all of them. <laughs> and then Ransom says, you were just supposed to transport us out. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. And that was Tendi's story. That was Tendi's. Um, Rutherford's basically ended when he was spacewalking with the engineer and had to get him across. And as he is about to do something... Honestly, it was one of the funniest lines of the entire show, I thought. His computer voice says, updating Klingon fonts. And he says, why do I even need that? And he blacks out again. Because <laughs> everybody who's ever done an update on a computer or on your phone knows that you have to update the stupidest things in order for it to, to actually go through. Stuff that you'll never use, but it has to be updated. Exactly, because it's needed. And then he wakes up next to a crashed ship in front of a Gorn wedding. And the Gorn think you know what great the meals arrived and they go and start gnawing on him and he blacks out again thinking great i'm gonna come back and it's gonna be all done and he wakes up and he's still at the gorn wedding <laughs> still getting gnawed on by the giant lizards exactly exactly and so now it's boimler's turn so boimler gets up and he, he actually this is the most backbone i've ever seen boimler show he gave a great i we're refusing to participate in your sham of a trial and sometimes you know, not everybody on the ship knows what's going on. That the senior officers who have been suspended in this weird beam the entire time, the senior officers know what's going on and they may not tell us, but they're always doing what's best for Starfleet and just refuses to participate. At which point the guy looks at him and says, you think this is a trial? Yes. I thought it was a trial. <laughs> it's like, no, this is, this is a celebration because your crew saved my life because he was in the package. But, but why are they suspended? That's the beam of celebration! <laughs> and you see everyone's like, it looks like now, like before they looked like they were just like, like just standing there doing nothing. Yeah. Now they're all like in the pose, like, like celebratory pose. Yeah. And they turn the lights up and there's party decorations all over the place because of course there are. But there was some mean judge looking guy. Who was just waiting for his time for the room. <laughs> so then a, another alien comes in and he says, your time is up. Yep. Because he only put in 22 minutes. That's the length of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was great. It was fast-paced. It really subverted your expectation of what was going on. And you got to see things from everybody's point of view. And they really utilized but you Tendi. Missed, but you missed out on the greatest part of this episode. I did? Was yes. it the eels? No. Okay. Which Yeah, that is a good one. But no. It's Q. You're right. This Q is the episode that at had the end. Q. Not just Q, because let's face it, there's been like five Qs in Star Trek. John DeLancey. John DeLancey, the original. We find out that at one point in the past, Q took the command staff of the Cerritos and put them in this weird game where they were chess pieces going up against other chess pieces in a game of sentient soccer. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a very Q thing to do. It was definitely Q. Yeah, which kind of tells me. I think Q really messes with a lot of Starfleet personnel. Mm. We saw a lot of them messing with Picard, and maybe that was the first one he decided to mess with. But it, I, I think he 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 saw how fun it was mm -hmm. to mess with Picard and the, yes. and the rest of the Enterprise, that he started messing with other ships. Yes, he, he messed with the Voyager. He messed with Voyager. He went to Cisco once. 
Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make any sense that, oh, well, the three Starfleet crew members he, or three Starfleet captains he happened to visit were the stars of these shows. No, he's got to be going to more. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I definitely think his, his introduction to Starfleet was yes with Captain Picard. Right. When they got to a certain point in space, he says, you know what? If you're going to be out this far, we have to judge you. And that was encountered at Farpoint. Mm-hmm. And now he just goes around screwing with Starfleet personnel to the point where everybody knows about him. Mm-hmm. And they know that he's generally harmless. I mean, it, that he's just there to screw around. Because when he pops in at the end saying that he's going to do something, Beckett looks at him, or Mariner looks at him and says, we don't have time for your Q shenanigans and walks right by him. <laughs> well, that was episode eight. Yes. His favorite of the two. By a narrow margin, but yes. Mine is episode nine. Take it away. So in episode nine, pretty much what it is, Mariner is Mariner's Mariner. Pretty much yes. there. Mariner is doing something different and breaking protocol. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and she's pissing off her mother, who then says, you have to go to therapy. <laughs> Mariner is just, she's like, no, no, I don't want to go to therapy. Just put me in the brig. I understand. I did something right. bad. Because she loves the brig. Exactly. He's like, just, just don't get me, don't take me to him because he references everything to food wow he really did too <laughs> so she goes to a therapy session and he's like you gotta open yourself like a papaya salad <laughs> <laughs> just, just the, the weirdest possible food references you could possibly think of i know it's a strange although i will give him credit they used an avian alien yes you don't see many no while she's there he says you need to relax you need to go and, and get yourself together and come back in a week right then they get back and they go see Boimler and Tendi and Rutherford. And Boimler's like, I, I got to get ready. I have an interview to get this position and I have to do the interview with the captain. So I need to go. I need to go and set something up in the holodeck. Right. So Boimler sets up Boimler 7, I think is what it was. A custom holodeck program. Custom holodeck program, which is literally just the Cerritos. Yes. And she says, how did you, why did you set this up? So, oh, I just took all the notes from everyone's personal logs. Yeah. Uh, that's just a tiny invasion of privacy tiny. <laughs> and so he goes and he talks to the captain and it's pretty much just literally getting set up as they're just talking as if how they, they were and how because it, everything's coming from the captain logs the personal logs, and everything to that nature right it's going to give you a very good sensa- sensibility of what they're going to be like right and so we then get mariner saying this is boring Right, because she knows these people. She doesn't want to go through a simulation with them. Exactly. So she goes and starts to retype and recode stuff, and we get the movie. Yeah. Vindicta. Yes. <laughs> and this movie, it's pretty much, think of it like a cartoon version of a J.J. Abrams film, where we have like light flares coming off of everywhere. Yeah. There's like so many light flares. <laughs> And it's like, so they're getting set up. It's like, oh, we got a new mission for you. And Captain is, you know, getting her crew ready to go. Uh, and the, the main crew, like Ransom, Shaxa, right. the doctor, the uh, engineer. And they're going into a shadow pod. And they get into the shadow pod. And then you see them coming off. This is a minute long scene of them just literally going from yeah. the shuttle deck to the Cerritos, which isn't that far at all. But it's what they would do in a movie. It's 
showing every angle of the Cerritos and going through. It was a huge callback to Star Trek The Motion Picture because they did that. And in that movie, it was like a five-minute scene of them flying to the Enterprise and showing (laughs) the new Enterprise from every angle. Yeah, yeah. It was was just so hilarious. It's like, we did updates to the Cerritos. It's like, it's the same. Yeah. (laughs) It's the difference whatsoever. That one minute makes it seem so long. Right. Because normally you'll get something like that maybe 10 seconds right they might show an exterior shot of the ship and then you're in <laughs> yeah so they get in and boimler's actually with him real boimler right because real boimler is still trying to get his research for this interview done exactly so he's asking you know a couple of questions and he's like what kind of cookies does the captain like to yeah have? he is the <laughs> biggest butt kisser i've ever seen but in a show before all this mariner said I'm setting this up, and we're going to use your um, your characters that you created for this. Right. But we're going... Uh, I got a special roles for the four of us. And Boimler's like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to be with the crew, because I'm going to try to get, ask my questions. Right. And so they say, sure, go ahead. And so Mariner, Tendi, and Rutherford are going off to do whatever they're setting up uh, for what they're doing. Boimler's going with the rest of the crew. They get to the, uh, they get to the bridge. All of a sudden, it's like an emergency. Something happened. They had to go... Uh, to a so they're going to a planet and at this planet they were supposed to see another um something I don't a, know. a ship that was impersonating starfleet personnel yes and when they got there a klingon bird of prey decloaks and they get put on the screen and it's mariner <laughs> yes mariner in the most cheesy over-the-top villain you know mustache twirling cackling oh villain. yeah and then we have on the side, we have Tendi. Yes. <laughs> who, who is a Orion slaver. Yes. And she doesn't the like Orion that. The Orion pirate. <laughs> but she doesn't like that because that's stereotypical of Orions. And they're not supposed to be that way because they haven't been. There are still Orions now for the past eight years. <laughs> I thought that was the greatest line, though. It was great. Yeah. For the past eight years. <laughs> oh, such good progress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the other side you got rutherford who's who's hamming it up because he's having a good time he's hamming up he's having a good time and he's supposed to be like this evil cyborg yeah and whatever and so then they say that they're uh, going to attack him and all of a sudden a ship lands on top of the cerritos and they uh they jump inside right so now those three are actually on the cerritos and there's like a, a video screen still going on so they know it's actually not real Right. So they start to shoot and fire at the holograms mm-hmm. and they start to fade away. Yeah, fade away. She's vaporizing them. <laughs> They're holograms. This is the this is the equivalent of having a hard day at work and going home and playing Doom and just annihilating everything except all the things you're shooting are people that you know. Or all just your co-workers. Custom skin of Doom. <laughs> That's all it is. Yeah. It's a custom skin of Starfleet uniform Dune. Yes. That's all it is. No. <laughs> no. It's, it's mildly... Uh, oh, a lot, a lot worse. Yeah. But Rutherford is like, oh, I can just do whatever I want. I want to go tell off the head of yeah. engineering. I'm going to go tell him what I really think of him. And he runs off. Yeah. but um, And then Tendi's just like, okay, I'm going to stay with Mariner. Right. Oh, before all of this, I forgot. I really want to say this. Before... Everything. It was like literally it was the beginning of a movie where you have the title screens and the title stuff right, coming right. in, and all you know how like normally the titles start to fly fly towards you. Yeah, these titles are actually real, so they actually hit people. 
And so everyone ducks except for Boimler. He's the only one that keeps on getting hit. Yeah. Well, it's, it's Boimler. It is. But still, I needed to bring that up. I'm sorry. I forgot to bring it up. <laughs> I thought it was like, oh, great. I forgot. Shrek. <clears throat> hey, we can always go back. We can always go back because we talk, we tell things out of order all the time here. We do. Yes. True story. <laughs> so Mariner and Tendi start to run off and they start to do things. And then finally, Tendi has that pirate situation where she's like, I don't want to be called a pirate anymore. And so she, uh, they blow something up. She gets blood splattered on her and she's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And so she walks out and you see the blood just like fade away. Yeah, nice touch. Nice touch. That when you get out of the uh, like she was actually wearing her, that outfit. Right. Meaning she had that outfit. Well, I'm guessing they replicated it for costumes. No, no. In my mind, she had that <laughs> outfit. That's fair. <laughs> now, you're forgetting. When Ransom, when Holographic Ransom came to, you know, face down the pirates, he's, mm-hmm. they're having a firefight and he gets hit and he's down and... Who comes up to him? Boimler. Yep. Asking him what kind of cookies the captain likes. <laughs> <laughs> but Ransom is actually the one that got blown up. And that's the blood that was on Tendi. No, it wasn't. Um, Ransom got vaporized. It was Shax who got blown up. Oh. Because remember, they had the bloody earring that she was telling yeah, that's what Tendi it was. to wear. And... Yeah, she was telling Tendi to wear Shax's earring. Where's yeah, Shax's like, earring? Doesn't have that religious, have religious significance? <laughs> and honestly, one of my favorite lines of the show is when Shax is firing at them. He says, when you get to hell, tell the Paw Wraiths that Shax sent you. Nice little reference to DS9. Which is why I don't know why you wouldn't have liked that episode. I Even more. I don't know. Going back to it, it's it's up there. Yeah, yeah. So then they're still fighting, but Rutherford goes to meet up with the head of engineering, and they're he just walks in, and he's not actually fighting anyone. Right. They start shooting at him, and they blow a coil or something. Right. And so that you know everyone has to evacuate engineering. The head engineer stays, and Rutherford's like, "I need to tell you something. You're the greatest engineer in Starfleet." <laughs> I love working with you. I wanted to work with you all the time. You're the best. <laughs> and then the head engineer was like, like, you weren't going to kill us? Like, no, I love you guys. <laughs> Which and is nice. Because when he says that, oh, I'm going to go tell him what, he, what I think of him, you think, man, Rutherford really doesn't like him. And then he does that. And it's like, okay, it's Rutherford. Yeah. yeah it's, it's definitely it's, Rutherford. It's great. I loved it. <clears throat> and so then they start trying to work together to stop the warp core breach. Mm-hmm. So Rutherford and the head engineer stopped the war core breach. Everything was all set. But Mariner had, uh, met up with the captain. She was fighting and she had a like a little clicker thing to right. blow up her other ship. And the captain was like, you're not going to do it. You, you wouldn't be that crazy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, click. Right. Because Mariner's done this entire thing because she wants to fight the captain and yell at the captain. She keeps saying, you, you're... You're, you're, all you do is be mean to me. And the captain's like, I don't know who you are. Because because it's the holodeck that right. doesn't know who this villain, I'm using air quotes there. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I don't know how much Mariner's actually accomplishing what she wants to. She's not. But she blows up the ship, which the shockwave then hits the Cerritos and sends it plummeting down to the planet's surface. Yes. And then, as they're still fighting, and uh, so Mariner and the captain just keep on fighting, and then we hear, get away from my mother! <laughs> and Holodeck Mariner comes charging in, pushes the other Mariner 
what we're going to call real Mariner and holodeck Mariner. So the real uh, pushes the real Mariner aside, and then all of a sudden you see everyone start to get teleported away. Mm-hmm. We only see the captain get teleported away, but what then happens is Mariner's fighting Mariner. Yeah, and she's it's really a good fight. Oh yeah, on that they're because. Real Mariner knows everything that Holodeck Mariner is going to do. Right. Because it's programmed of Mariner. And so they're fighting, and then we have Real Mariner just knock out Holodeck Mariner. Mm-hmm. And that, but Real Mariner is like, I know what I did wrong. I know therapy really works. Right. <laughs> because she's yelling at herself throughout this entire fight. Yes. Her, you know, her air quotes, her Holodeck self, and she finally realizes that she loves the ship she loves the crew mm-hmm. she doesn't know why she's still being antagonistic against her mother right because her mother is the, is only, the only reason th- that yeah. she is still in starfleet exactly which is why i thought this was one of the better episodes from a character standpoint yes character standpoint the facts that you have the ds9 references the facts that yeah. you have you have the actual decent fighting with it in the in the episode. How about this? I'll put it equal with episode eight. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry too. Not really. <laughs> but back on the holodeck, Mariner says, you know, I do know you. I love my mother and I was only distracting you so I could blow up the ship and then self destruct happens. The ship blows to pieces. Yep. And the holodeck program ends. So now Mariner's had her therapy, mm-hmm. and she's going to go with her friends to go... What are they going to do? I don't remember. I remember that Boom was going to do his interview. Right. And... Oh, they were going to go look at the warp core. They were going to look at the warp core. That's what it was, yeah. Right. Because so, they actually did say... Mariner does say... She really does like the I warp I really core. do like the warp core. Yeah. <laughs> Mariner and her friends are going to go look at the warp core because one of the things to come out of this fight with herself is that she really does like the warp core. Yes. Which was a throwback to the very beginning yes. of the series where she said the warp core was stupid to Boimler. Right. But she can only get Rutherford and Tendy to go with her because Boimler wants to finish up. The, he wants to go try and get a few more things done on this to brush up for his interview. And so she goes and she passes the captain. And she looks at her and says, Hey, you were right for busting my chops, and thanks for having my back, and, you know, fist bumps her mother. Yes, and she is so confused. Yeah. She's like, what, 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 what? So she goes to see the therapist, who then also gives her advice on some food thing. Yeah. <laughs> she gets pissed off. Terrible therapist. <laughs> so the episode ends, and this this was my favorite part of the episode, honestly. When Boimler, he goes back into the, the end of the program mm-hmm. to ask the captain a couple more questions before his interview. And he sees the captain giving a eulogy for Mariner. Because holodeck, holodeck, Mariner holodeck died. Holodeck captain giving a eulogy for Holodeck Mariner. In which she lets out that Mariner is her daughter. Mm-hmm. And Boimler is so surprised. Oh yeah. And he, he can't process it. We see him in his interview, and he's just like a chattering mess, and he can't... He wants to say, I'm friends with your daughter. Yeah. I know your daughter. I know you have a daughter. Right, and he's, he can't get it out, and he ends up running away and bombing the interview. And she's just like, he didn't prepare for this interview, <laughs> which you know is the complete opposite. Right, He because, prepared too much. Right. Oh, yeah. There is such a thing. Mm-hmm. So that was our takes on episode 89. I 
felt nine was better. Uh, there's a case to be made. You might be right. They're both great. Like these are, I'll say these are probably the two best episodes in the series. I'll give it that. This, these beat out Badgie. I know. And Badgie was great. I love Badgie. Yeah. But one of the things I really like about it is the fact that. It's the four together on each of the episodes. It is. And there's, overall, there's one plot and you're not trying to keep track of different things. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that the show is really using is that while episodes aren't continuing storylines because it's it's an episodic series, Mm -hmm. they're carrying over character development. Yes. And I like that. Which is something that's supposed to be happening during Strange New World. Yes, which is why one of the reasons I'm really excited about Strange New Worlds. Not only the cast, but that they're going to get back to telling individual stories. Because I, I do like serialized storytelling, but it can get to be a little much. So Very true. Yeah. Honestly, they were great. Th- these are the two best. And I'm really looking forward to the season finale next week. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Now, on to some news news i do want to let you know that there has been a couple of casting announcements the first is for she hulk now that came this came out a couple a little while ago but the casting of she hulk is for tatiana maslani right now she i loved her in orphan black so have you ever seen that i did not see orphan black so orphan black very quick synopsis okay is a show about clones that's it. I'm done. <laughs> right. That's the best synopsis I can give to it. Well, but she was the main female clones. Right. So there were male clones and there were female clones. She was the clone. For, she was the female clone. Right. And so she played. I know that she played multiple characters doing multiple different things on, an, on each episode. So there might be mm-hmm. three or four different versions of her in an episode. I think there was five at once. Yeah. Max, I think there was five. Right. I, I heard a lot of really good things about it. It just never it got was, to the top of my list. I loved it. I thought it was great. Okay. Right. Uh, also, in that show is the Tinker Mother from The Wheel of Time. Okay. But we're not talking about her. We already talked about her. <laughs> <laughs> the next casting is for Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, right. for the TV show on Disney Plus, Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. Complete newcomer. Haven't heard of her at all. Her name is Iman Vellani. Okay. Don't know who she is. I never heard of her before. I'm guessing she's a young girl. Could be good. Could be bad. I don't know. Right. Uh, but, given Disney's track record on casting, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt because they've been pretty consistently good in their casting. Yes. And now we have rumors. Yes. Now, I am calling this a rumor, even though it's coming from a lot of legitimate sources, but the reason why I'm calling it a rumor is it's in talks. Right. It's not official. Nothing's been signed, but they're in talks. Jamie Fox is set to come back as Electro in Spider-Man, the, the third Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland. I can't call it Spider-Man 3. Correct, because Spider-Man 3 already existed. Now, this is huge, because we already have one connection to past Spider-Man movies when they cast J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson in Spider-Man Far From Home, because he played the same character in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. Now they're talking about bringing back Jamie Foxx to play... But that's because J.K. Simmons... Was, is the epitome of J. Jonah Jameson. I 100% agree. But now they're looking at bringing somebody back from the amazing Spider-Man movies to play the same character. Now, I don't want you to... I'm not going to... I don't want you to think I'm saying Jamie Foxx is bad. Because I actually do like Jamie Foxx in a lot of his movies. But I did not like his portrayal of Electro. But because the movie's bad. Yes. I mean, it is. And his portrayal was kind of dumb. Yes. But given better writing... And better direction, which I think that they've proved they can do on the Spider-Man movies, the current Spider-Man movies, I think that he could do very well. And 
what this opens up a possibility of is that they may be acknowledging the multiverse. And that's what you're hoping on. Because they are... bring in Garfield and Maguire and Holland all at once. Don't don't forget Emma Stone as, as Spider-Gwen. They could essentially do a live-action multiverse movie similar to what they did with Into the Spider-Verse. That was a good movie. It's an amazing movie. Um, the pieces are there. They'd have to get the actors on board. But it's possible. And it would be amazing. It would be. So... Yes, it's still a rumor, so who knows. Well, I have been your Geek Scott. I have been your Geek Jason. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day.